Welcome to the Smart Money, the EQI podcast. In fact, welcome to the very first of the Smart Money. As EQI is aimed at people who like the idea of taking control of their investments, I want to start by finding out more about the reality of self-investing. Just how risky is it? What does it take to be a good self-investor? How much time will I need to commit? And, and I know we've all read those warning notices. The value of your investment can go down as well as up. So what happens when the market falls? How do I make sure that I won't make mistakes and that I won't waste my hard-earned cash? I'm Vanessa Howard. I don't DIY invest, so I'm going to talk to people who do, as well as people who have worked growing investment portfolios for other people. And I'm going to start with Mark Grotsky. Hello, Mark. Hello. Mark, let's briefly talk about your background. Uh, you worked for close to four decades, is that right, in financial services? So yes. was that managing other people's wealth? How did that work? Yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah, man and boy, really. So um, initially, I was I was on the administration side of financial services, but then I moved into an advisor role. Um, I spent a number of years doing that before um, moving into management, um, which encompasses looking after a number of different advisors, helping them develop their client bases and advise clients on, on the best way to make their money work for them. Okay, so that, I just want to say right from the outset, this is not financial advice. Marcus, you're not giving us financial advice, are you? What we are doing is I'm, I'm here because I'm going to be asking some incredibly basic questions because when I spoke to you recently, I thought, wow, that's probably one of the first times that I've understood a lot of the concepts that are really going to matter if you're going to start taking control of your own money, sitting down and going, right, where do I start investing? How do I not make that horrible mistake where I sit there with my £10,000 press one button and it's worth 60. So what I'm going to talk to you about is walking into this with your eyes open, basically. Yeah. So um, one of the first things, I mean, I suppose like a lot of people, we hear all those disclaimers all the time, your, the value of your money can fall as well as rise. But I've been thinking a lot about risk because I saw a fantastic statistic which said, uh, what do you think is more risky, a snake or a sofa? And in fact, it probably won't surprise you to learn that more people get admitted to the NHS because they've fallen over a sofa than they will have been bitten by an adder. So sometimes we have a quite, uh, perhaps not the right idea when it comes to risk. So I wanted to talk to you about risks in the market. Um, so when you give, at the moment, if you sort of give a company £10,000, you say, right, go and make money for me with my investment. What do those investment managers actually do with people's money? What, what are they looking for? How do they look at risk? Um, well, naturally, risk is, is, in, is basically a personal thing. So a number of people will have different goals and what they're try, of what they're trying to achieve. So I suppose first there would be a, a, an in-depth conversation with what that client is trying to achieve, um, what timescales they're looking at. And, and then we would develop a strategy to move their money forward. Now, people with um, higher risk acceptance might have more of their money in higher risk investments, but people with, with lower risk um, expectations would have lower risk investments. Now, the way they achieve that is by diversification. Um, and diversification is basically putting your money across a number of different asset classes. So there's obviously a number of different asset classes. So equities is one. So that's traditional stocks and shares stocks in and a shares. company. That's right. Yeah. So okay. and, that, and therefore that can that can up, go up and down in relation to the company's profits and and how that that company is perceived. But you've also got things like uh, bonds. 
Now, bonds is sometimes a confusing um, term because it, there's also investment bonds, which are separate types of investment. But when we're talking about bonds with regards to asset classes, what we're talking about is things like corporate bonds and gills, government stocks. And what, what that basically means is that you're lending the money to either a company or the government, it will pay you back a certain rate of income or interest. And therefore, if you imagine you're investing in a government, you would normally see that as a fairly safe type of investment. However, with regards to both invest loaning your money to a company or to a government, those tend to be traded when you're looking at investments and therefore they can still go up and down, but they won't go up and down as much as, say, a equity. Okay, because if it's an equity, I'm basically tying myself to the fortune of that one company. That's right. Yeah. But then if it's bonds, it's sort of like, I'll have to assume that the UK government's going to keep paying. They always have done. <laughs> they always have done. <laughs> they always have to done. So you'd expect that that to be a relatively lower risk type of investment. Um, then you've got things like property, commercial property. Um, you've also got alternative types of investments as well. Um, so there are a number of different asset classes. And, and what would happen with an individual's investment is that they would be spread across those to mitigate some risk um, whilst still trying to achieve a better return than you would get from, say, a, a normal bank or building society account. Now, it's interesting that you say that because I think because interest rates have been low historically low for a period of time now lots of people are looking at their cash savings and and it's probably fair to say that they're actually at risk from inflation is that right absolutely um so if you take into account the the, the well the current cpi rate or consumer price index is about 1.4 percent that means that if you're getting less than 1.4 percent from a, a building site or a bank account then your money's not growing mm. so in the long term you're not going to get the same, um, that buying power will diminish right. over, over the longer term. Um, so historically, building societies of banks have not been a particularly good store for people's wealth. Okay. Um, so certainly you should have some money in that sort of area because naturally if something happens with the boiler, you need that money to hand. So generally, maybe three, six months outgoings would be a, a reasonable amount to hold in building society and bank accounts. But then maybe look at diversifying across a number of different areas with any money above that. Okay. So you mentioned, I do see the word diversification a lot. I know it's important. And it's, I suppose, broadly, that's about not having all your eggs in one basket. Absolutely, yeah. Is that what funds are as well? Is that how funds work? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, with regards to an investment fund, say a pension fund or something like that, you would again tend to have a spread of um, different types of asset classes. Now, a more adventurous person might have quite a lot in equities and less in bonds and other types of investments. Um, whereas someone who's perhaps less risk um, orientated would have more in bonds and less in equities. Now, um, there was an old adage that, that that you could use your age for that, which was a is an arg argument that some people have. So, if you're sixty, some people think that maybe sixty percent of your money should be in bonds, like government gilts and and corporate bonds, 
and maybe 40% in, in equities and other investments. Um, that's open to argument, but certainly that was an old adage that has been used for a number of years. Now, you've brought up age, and that's an important one because that was something that you opened my eyes to. Because in the past, <clears throat> I have spoken with financial advisors, and of course I've got you know money in a pension and ISA, but maybe, I'm going to be completely honest, maybe I didn't fully understand what I was being asked to look at. So when you get presented with that, are you cautious, are you balanced, or are you adventurous? I thought that meant how I feel generally about how I approach anything, which is, I'm going to be honest, probably between balanced and cautious. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people do fall into that sort of thing. A lot of probably, probably do kind of think of themselves that way. But then it was you who kind of went, well... If you've got time on your side, you can actually afford to consider being more adventurous. So is that when this issue, when you mentioned 60, so it's like if I'm, if I'm 30 and I'm starting to plan for that next 30 years, is that when you think, well, people can look at being more adventurous? Absolutely. So putting it into perspective, really, so you're thinking, well, I've got 30 years to make my money grow. Now, you can look historically and you can see the investments in the stock market over the last 30 years have done exceptionally well. Um, and provided much better returns than, say, deposit-based accounts. Um, now, no one knows what the future holds, but you would think that if you've got enough time to let that money move forward with the economy, with stocks and shares, then you will expect a better return and a better hedge against inflation than you would do by just leaving in a deposit-based account. Now, not to say that I didn't believe you, Mark, but I went away and I had to look at historically just at that, because what, what I suppose it's probably not that surprising is that over time, and again, we, 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 as we always have to say, we do have to qualify this. This is history. That does not mean it's, it's, that's a blueprint for the future. However, over time, I did, I did look up uh, exactly that, some adventurous funds, how they performed. They did come out on top after time but you do see the dips you do see it's a the road is rockier do you think that's kind of commonplace absolutely so, so yeah so you will you will see um bigger peaks and bigger troughs by being more adventurous right now just thinking about that idea of troughs okay so again you're you're there you're making a decision what to do with your money of course you want it to outperform what you're probably going to get from an ordinary savings account um, but there are going to be dark, bad days in the market. There are going to be those days, those wobble days that we that make it onto the mainstream news where there's been a 2% crash, 3%, even, even perhaps even more. Is that necessarily a bad thing on that day? Or is that an opportunity if you have an idea in mind of maybe some a company that you value or you think is doing well? Are bad days always a bad thing for investors? No, no, not at all. Because... Um... Sometimes just market sentiment will, will see a, a share fall in price and, and that could be a buying opportunity. So absolutely it could be a buying opportunity. Um, and I think you just got to get it into perspective that a one or two percent fall isn't that big in the scheme of things. Um, and if you can get it straight in your mind that you're looking for a return over the next 30 years, say, and you're talking decades, then certainly you can live with the, the ups and downs of a market. Um, so you know you have to you have to understand that you will see ups and downs when investing, especially with equities. Now that's interesting because somebody else, and I'm definitely not going to be naming names here, and I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, but it is something about human nature. I think some another financial advisor I was uh, interviewing. 
off the record, <laughs> told me about somebody who would phone their office two or three times a week, usually in a bit of a panic. So eventually he went back out to see him. And what's great about the digital revolution is it does give people an opportunity to literally see their portfolio, see how it's performing that day, see exactly what the, everything is worth, rather than waiting for that annual statement. The downside of that is this gentleman had an exercise book where he was writing down four or five times a day what the market was doing. I can see that you're smiling. That's a recipe for probably <laughs> unhappiness, is it, it not? It is, you know, and I think, I think you, have to, you have to be able to sleep at night. So getting it straight in your mind, what level of risk you're expecting and, expect, and expecting the downturns, um, then hopefully that will help you sleep at night. But you're looking at a longer term investment. All of these, all these investments should be looked at with a term of five years plus in mind. Um, so, you know, you have to make sure that when you talk about your own attitude to risk, that you're comfortable with the fact that you're investing for the longer term and that there will be ups and downs in the market. Okay. And one of the other things that you said to me, which I thought was interesting, is that sometimes when those markets have those bad days, it's not a good idea necessarily to, oh, people are selling, jump on that selling, selling, selling moment. Sometimes it's better to do nothing absolutely, or sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, again, getting in your mind what, what your actual objective is and what your timeframes are are very important. Um, you know, it's human nature in some ways with regards to markets. When people should be buying, they're selling. And when they're they're selling, they should be buying. So um, I think uh, it is counterintuitive somewhat with regards to when people buy and sell investments. Uh, is it, I suppose because as, as much as you try and think of this as a rational exercise, because you're planning for your own financial security, it is sometimes perhaps a good idea to think about the emotion behind it. Absolutely. Make sure you're not... Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, there, there, are, there are people like Warren Buffett, one of the gurus from the investment industry, has always been a, a, a his a strategy has always been to buy and hold. Um, so keep, keep, keep with that investment that you initially thought was right for you, uh, and let it do its thing over the longer term. Okay. So when it comes to making a, an investment that you feel is right for you, we know that some people will buy brands they're familiar with if they think that you know. But essentially, you're, you're actually buying a slice of a business if you're looking at stocks Absolutely. and shares. Yeah. So it's probably sensible to look at the tools that are available, which is rather than just going, oh, you know, I've, I've had a good experience when I've used this company. You can actually use, use access information to kind of look at how that company's performed over time. Assess whether it's been well run, I guess. You've got to kind of believe in the management team as well, perhaps, because they're responsible for achieving growth. Which ultimately, if you own a share, that means growing the value of your shares as well. So, yeah. what kind of what kind of things should people be be looking at when they look at a company? Um, there are a number of things. I, I suppose you know, with regards to the wealth of information that's on the internet these days, you know, I would probably start there and just look at the the, the robustness of the company. Um, there is a, a wealth of information on a number of sites which will draw down to what that company's um, future is. And then at the end of the day, you will, you will be making a judgment call on where you think that, that company's going. And sometimes you might get that wrong, sometimes you might get it right. But if you diversify 
across equities as well, then certainly you would see um, that turn into balancing. Okay. So although I know that your background is looking after other people's money, you look after your own as well. Yes. So uh, do you listen to, rather than, you know, practice what you preach, do you find yourself going, right, got to keep my eyes on the prize here when you look at yes. managing your money now? Yes. And are there times where you've got things wrong? Yes, absolutely. So you, so you do, you know, you look at a share and you think, well, OK, well, I think I'm going to have some money in that. And it goes south. Um, but then there are other times when you, you you put your faith in the company and it does very well. And what I tend to find is that they do balance out and the overall trend is upwards, um, which is obviously what I'm trying to achieve. So um, as long as I'm in that sort of uh, ballpark and, it, and the trend is upwards, I can live with some some shares that might fall in value because I've got others that rise in value. That makes sense. Now, that's funny because when I was looking at this issue of risk, the number of adults who do have risk-based investments is actually surprisingly high. It's uh, This comes from Platform and it's around 15 million, which is about 29% of us. But my guess is that's probably taking into account pensions. Yeah. So we, we don't necessarily think of a pension. We think of that as a sort of safe word. But in reality, they're doing what we're doing, what we're talking about now. Absolutely. They're taking money and they're trying to grow it for the long term. Correct, yeah. So, you know, the, the majority of people these days would have money purchase type invest, investments or pensions. Um, and that's exactly in, in investing in those asset classes I was talking about earlier. Um, so they will be making investment decisions on, um, again, gen generally on, on individual pension holders' um, attitude to risk. Um, about where they want to invest. You know, what you do tend to find is as people get closer to retirement, they tend to diminish the amount of um, higher risk investments they have in their in their funds. Um, albeit that has slightly changed now with the um, the the revolution that is drawdown. Um, because now people can leave their money invested in an investment-based product, a drawdown product, um, and draw income from it while still having that the ups and downs of the market. Now, I suppose if you're 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 retiring like I did at fifty six, I'm hopefully going to live for another thirty years. So, I can afford to say, well, I I still need to have some risk in my portfolio because that money's going to last me for the next thirty or so years. Now, I know that I'm gonna I'm gonna force you to talk to me again because um, we've had a conversation about retirement and I, I found it really really fascinating because so much has changed. People do have now the ability to uh, decide what they want to do. That used to be the case where you had to buy an annuity. Is that yes, right? that's right. So yeah. So, so now you've got room. more control again, not necessarily just for when you're working, but that period where after work and you want to make sure that that money, even though you're not working, is working for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And investment, I mean, you can take a more cautious approach, but investment can still continue to work for you. Absolutely, yeah. So, again, and it, it could be talking 30 years of retirement or more. Um, there's one thing that's certain is the age of the, the ages people are living to is getting higher and higher. Um, so, therefore, that money's got to last a, a long time. Indeed, indeed. So, let's just say... <clears throat> Let's just say that uh, you're sitting down with somebody who's um, probably younger than we are, perhaps our children's age. There are products out there like a lifetime ISA. I'm not going to go into product being specific to them. But if you were going to even talk to, to the younger Mark <laughs> and say, is it right? Think about investment early because the longer you've got, 
probably the better it will work out for you. Absolutely. And if you were to start completely from scratch, you've got some money, you know, old pups, I would say the majority of younger people want to start thinking about property ownership. How would you start to say, what are the things that they should start considering? Um, lifetime ice is, is, is a good option, um, especially if they're going to use it for house purchase. Uh, I would I would definitely th say that's probably one of the first things I would suggest. Um, pensions, you know, I would use I would use the tax um, efficient investments that are available. So your ices, your pensions, and and get saving early. Um, you know, the more you put in er early on, the more that money's got time to grow, and therefore the more beneficial it will be to you when you finally do take that money out either to buy a property or to, to utilise it to uh, pay for your retirement. And I think younger people are kind of more aware of uh, changes. I mean, I, I, was, I was reading something from Larry Fink of BlackRock, who was saying the whole of investing is probably about to take a, a, a huge shift in terms of what it looks for uh, for future returns. So, and that's the ESG, I understand. So it's about being environmentally, socially, and, and it's governments as well. So possibly this younger generation of investors coming up are going to start looking at different ways of uh, the of getting returns from businesses. So maybe more renewables. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, um, there are funds that, that focus on things that are um, environmentally, environmentally friendly. Um, so you have got funds being developed on that, those sort of areas now. And, and, and you're right, some people are deciding that they don't want to invest in a company that produces oil or, or whatever. Um, so there are, that is something that is coming more and more to the fore. I suppose what's interesting there is this is an opportunity for people to kind of back what they believe in. Absolutely, yeah. So that's yeah. another way of you not just taking control in terms of I want to grow my money, but it's like I want to invest in things that I that I believe in as well. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, and, and all power to that. Absolutely. Well, thank you very, very much for your time, Mark. As I say, I am going to ask you so much more about retirement because it's something that I need to start thinking about now. So don't go too far. Um, if anybody else wants to find out more about self-investing, you can find uh, anything really from uh, feature blogs, more expert opinion and tools, calculators to start looking at the type of money that you want to create for yourself and over what time frame. Please just visit www.eqi.co.uk. Thank you very much. Thank you. The views expressed in the smart money are personal opinions and not advice or recommendations from EQI. The value of investments can fall as well as rise. Any income from this is not guaranteed and you may get back less than you invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. EQI is a trading name of Equinity Financial Services Limited. Equinity Financial Services Limited does not provide financial advice. If you are in any doubt as to the risk or suitability of an investment or product, you should seek advice from an independent financial advisor.